And incidentally, Anakin would be the Aramaic form of a plural for Anak, the children of Anak, the Anakim from the Bible. He has his body basically half of it is destroyed and so he then now he has to live within this uh, biomechanical suit. Definitely transhumanist. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. Evil. Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. This episode is titled, Anna Kim Skywalker, with Ken Ami. All right, welcome to another episode of Conspiracy in the Force. My name is Conspiracy Kyle. On today's episode, I have with me Ken Ami, who he is a, let me get all your stuff right, you are a, <laughs> you're a biblical scholar, you're an author, you're a free thinker, you're probably a million other things. Uh, how are you doing today, Ken? I wouldn't say scholar. Uh, I'd go as far as independent researcher, because then people well, will start demanding my credentials, and I'm like, Bye. <laughs> well, well, you know, I think your I think your work uh, speaks for itself. You've done a lot of you've done a lot oh, of great you. research. So, so thank you for for doing that. So, um, I wanted you to 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 come on and, and talk a little bit. You know, I've heard you on several different podcasts and stuff in the in the past talking about you know, the transhumanist agenda and, and, and the like. So um, where, where to start here? So well, since I know we where are, to start. Now, yes. you said you were going to wear your fancy shirt. And, and so I dug up this one. Um, my, my Darth Vader it. shirt. The thing is, it's from the, I got this in 1990. So it's really, <laughs> man, it's hanging on by a thread. But there it, it is. I wore this one just for you. It's classic. I, I I appreciate it, and I have my I have my oh. Darth Vader Darth Vader mug here with his take over the universe uh, fist. So uh, no, my um, friend has a Darth Vader head toaster, so you stick the bread on top of it on top of his helmet. You know, I mean, it's kind of ironic. You know, the the guy burnt to death basically, <laughs> and now we're gonna put now we're gonna like make toast out of it. That's kind of a it's kind of messed up, but oh, but that's um, um, yeah, that's part of the issue. Is um, Anakin burnt virtually to death, then became a transhuman, and okay, we can just go on from from where you were starting. <laughs> yeah, that, let, let's just let's just get into it right there. We'll start with we'll start with Darth Vader because that's really the obvious parallel we have here. And then I know you have a lot of other examples from you know recent history, and then you know far far past. So. Let's start with Darth Vader, kind of how that ties into the transhumanist agenda. We can kind of kind of go from there. And by the way, recall, and I'm just going to um, be outright with your audience. I told you before, I have not watched the last like seven <laughs> Star Wars movies, nor the, the you know, 300 episodes of various shows. And I, I just have not kept up with it. I admit that up front. So I guess the earlier stuff. And then I understand there's like a whole series of books. Is that right? 
Yeah, the the, so. the books the books are kind. Of, it's kind of a funny story with the books. You know, I have a lot of the books. You know, talking about your shirt from the nineties. I have a lot of, of books from the nineties, uh, Star Wars tie-in materials and whatnot. But then when when Disney, you know, lovable Disney purchased uh, Star Wars about you know seven or eight years ago. They basically wiped that clean, said, you know what, all those books you grew up loving, those really don't count anymore. And we're going to restart with what we think it should be. And, you know, as we know, Disney with their woke agenda, you can you can kind of see how that's played out so far. Yes, They've, you so know, I heard. Yeah. So that's kind of how the, the, the novel situation is. Because, you know, sometimes I'll make a point about the. I guess the the cosmology or the philosophy or even the theology or lack thereof in Star Wars. And somebody will say, well, you know, in, in episode 12 of show number this and that, they make the, and I'm like, I just, I don't know that level of detail. I can just kind of speak to what I'm aware of. Right. So in terms of transhumanism, I mean, for one, okay, the, the Star Wars mythos begins a long, long time ago from our frame of uh, mind, a uh, point of view. So we don't really know when that is as far as I know. But it's a very long time ago and it's a place far, far away. Uh, but they had like this super high tech from our vantage point, right? Mm -hmm. right. And part of it is it's there's transhumanism all over the place because Transhumanism is actually one of these um, very complicated terms, and it can refer to a lot of things. It's also known as futurism, sometimes post-humanism, sometimes just uh, H with a plus next to it, like humanity plus, right? Mm -hmm. And then it, it can cover uh, areas as wide as um, robotics, uh, human interaction with robots, all sorts of interaction with robots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's um, taken it off in a different direction yeah. recently. Yeah. So, say a robot would be like um, maybe a mobile computer, basically, right? Just a basic. It's like a computer that can move around and perform various tasks. Uh, where an android would be an anthropomorphic robot. So it's a robot that is made to look like uh, a human or human form, basic enough, right? And then a cyborg would be a human with technology embedded into them, such as Darth Vader. That's straight up what he is really, um, is uh, more like a cyborg. And, and then you get into all kinds of things, the up and downloading of the contents of the human brain, supposedly, and um, all kinds of uh, biometrics, right? Where you're, as we saw, probably most famously recent history in a Minority Report, where he's just walking down the mall and his eyeballs are being scanned. So all these ads are popping up, personalized to him. All that kind of stuff is kind of like a ginormous a ball <laughs> of transhumanism. And incidentally, um, themes that are found in transhumanism almost inevitably are, there's three, there's high tech, evolution and occultism. And the three are just never far apart from each other. In fact, that's the technocratic unholy trinity right there, high tech evolution and occultism. And I've also done a lot of research and writing into the issue of uh, UFOs and aliens. And again, in, in UFOs and aliens, uh, ufology, you have what? High tech evolution and occultism, just inevitably, it's all over the place. So in this case, we have a young man called, uh, in the script, actually, he's Anakin uh, Starkiller. 
-hmm. and later just ends up being called Anakin Skywalker. And one thing that I mentioned to you is the Anakin, that name is interesting in the Bible. There's a, there's a man called Anak, and so his descendants are known as the Anakim. I -hmm. am, as we would transliterate it, I am because I am uh, would be the Hebrew male plural. Uh, now in Aramaic, the Hebrew male plural, I mean, the, in Aramaic, the Hebrew, I keep saying Hebrew, the Aramaic male plural is in, like we would say, I N. So I don't ask me why, but for some reason, the character's name comes to us as a plural of an Aramaic term and a kin. Right. And he's Skywalker, right? Now, let me ask you, I know we had, we had talked about this over email a little bit, you know, uh, several verses in the Bible, you know, referred to the, to the sons of of Anak there. And, you know, you had mentioned that there's some different translations and different ways people have interpreted this, you know, in one of the popular beliefs, and and I want you to give your counterpoint to this is that um, these sons of Anak were, were giants or almost, I I don't know if, if it's, if it's similar to like what people talk about the Nephilim, things like that, these giants is big you know, superhuman type type creatures. So can you speak a little bit to that? And are people interpreting that the right way? Because, you know, the verse goes, it's Numbers 13, 33. It says that the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, were we were in our own sight as grasshoppers in their sight. Yes, um, that just opened up a cornucopia. Now, what's interesting <laughs> is I was looking at some of the articles I've written on my website about Star Wars, and I wrote them so long ago that I found that I, therein I'm going to edit them because I use the term giant as if that really means something. Um, mm-hmm. And by now, um, using the term giant without defining it is one of my pet peeves. There's no way I'm going to allow that nowhere. I'll do that, do that myself because I can think of five or six different definitions for the word giant. And unfortunately, people tend to just jump right into the middle of a discussion about giants and nobody bothers to define the term. But anyhow, in modern times, it's something generic about unusual height. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in ancient times, the English word derives from the Greek word gigantes, but that literally just means earth born. And it implies nothing about height, nothing period whatsoever. Now, the thing about the uh, Anakin (laughs) <laughs> See, now I switched to the Aramaic, the Anakim, or the children of Anak, right? Same thing. Um, they are a subgroup of a larger people group called the Rephaim. And there's literally nothing unusual about them, except that some of them, such as the Anakim, are referred to as having been tall or of great stature. But now we have to think about how uh, tall or great stature is a subjective term, right? So for example, who is tall to a pro basketball player? Who is tall to a pygmy, right? Right. Pro basketball players, they get close to eight feet. None of them quite make it. Uh, Pygmies, uh, average male will be 4'11". So, I mean, it's subjective. And now in the Bible, we have to think about how it's subjective to the height of the average Hebrew male of those days, who was five foot even, maybe five three, right around there. So, you know, being tall compared to them or of great stature, it's, it's not that exciting. 
-hmm. Right. (laughs) So do you think maybe some, so you think some of that is kind of, it gets a bit exaggerated, right? Like I I think, I think people sometimes want to read into some of these things more than, you know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, I guess as the phrase goes, the, the the easy, well, I guess the the, the most simple answer is the most simplest answer in in some of these situations. Yeah. So I would say first, let's, let's back up a little bit. It's not an issue of translation, really. It's sort of an issue of rendering and it's definitely an issue of uh, what I call gigorexia nervosa. We'll get to all that. Okay. So uh, translations, okay, the reason that the English word giant ended up in some versions is because they were just following the Greek Septuagint from maybe 300 BC. And now for whatever reason, the Septuagint rendered, not translated, but rendered both Nephilim and Rephaim as gigantes. And they also rendered giborim as gigantes. And you don't have to know anything about linguistics to be able to tell that nephil, refa, and gibor are such very different words. There's no right. way that they have a common root. And it's generally a terrible idea to render three different words with just one word because it mm-hmm. just causes confusion, right? So the reason I'm emphasizing that they rendered, they didn't translate, because translate would be something more direct, right? Whereas rendering, it's more dynamic. So for whatever reason, we don't know why, that's what they did. English versions dropped the rendering of Giborim as giants, but they kept Nephilim and Rephaim as giants, some English versions. And that causes confusion because people just read through the Hebrew Bible, but they're chasing an English word around and sometimes just not realizing, well, it's talking about two very, very different things because Nephilim are strictly pre-flood hybrids. Rephaim are strictly post-flood humans and there's no relation between them whatsoever. So now, but let me get to the, the verse you read, Numbers 1333. Uh, one of the verses I talk about the most. <laughs> I, I, I um, had a debate not too long ago, and the opening statement was 15 minutes. I did nothing but talk about that one single verse. <laughs> okay, so biblically, the term Nephilim appears in Genesis 6-4, that's pre-flood, and then Numbers 13-33, that's post-flood, period, that's it, end of story, two verses, uh, any other time, um, certain English versions have the word giant. That's always referring to Rephaim or the singular Repha. That's it, period. No, that's all there is to it. Now, the thing is, if you go through the narrative of the chapter, if you interact with it, as one really should, you end up finding out the scouts are sent into the land of Israel before the nation moves in there. They go check it out. They come back and they report on what they saw, Okay. Um, a, a, a report is provided initially, the original report that's accepted as is, and it lists all the various people group, like seven different people groups. We saw these guys, we saw Anakim, we saw uh, Jebusites, we saw these people, that people. No mention of Nephilim, um, but they do mention that the people are strong who live in the land and they have big cities that are fortified and well protected. Okay, so that's really intimidating. 
to a bunch of wilderness uh, itinerant tent dwellers, right? Now we're gonna have to confront these well-fortified cities with big walls, wow, so they're scared. And the Anakin particularly had a bad rep, for sure. Interesting. Um, so and, I... and so, well, just a, another thing, um, just to and and that thought. So basically, uh, Manling Caleb quiets the people. He's like, "Look, no big deal. We can do this, right? Because God had commanded them to take the land. It's okay. We can do it." Uh, and then what ends up happening? We see that there were twelve spies, and now we have a division. We have Caleb and Joshua over here, and then ten over here. And so the 10 end up showing that they're unfaithful and disloyal because they start saying, no, we're not going to be able to do this. And they say the people are stronger than we, right? Um, and then the narration tells us that they brought an evil report, sometimes rendered as bad report. And so then the two verses that follow are the contents of that evil report. And they end up making six claims about which the whole entire rest of the Bible knows absolutely nothing, including that there's such a thing as post-flood Nephilim and that Anarchim are related to them and that Nephilim, it, and it was a referring to the Nephilim as being very, very, very tall. Okay. Uh, those guys end up being rebuked by God himself. <laughs> and that's what leads, that event is what led to the people of Israel being made to wander the wilderness for another four decades. Okay, so in other words, they were so scared, they just made up a don't go in the woods type of fear-mongering, scare tactic tall tale is really what it was. And there's no way anybody should believe these guys. I mean, they con they're contradictory, they're embellishers, they get rebuked. It's, it's a tremendous mess all around. Interesting. So the thing about Anakim is like, look, okay, yeah, they were known. Um, the saying was, who can stand before the Anakin? Wow, these guys are bad mamma jammas, you know. Right, yeah. right. And they were subjectively tall, and that's about it. They were just well-known warriors, basically. And that's and that's interesting, kind of, you know, the parallel with, with Anakin in Star Wars. Um, you know, in this galaxy, he's thought of, well, when he's in the Darth Vader role, he's thought of as, the, like, the, the baddest person in the universe, right? It, it same kind of thing, right? These, these tall tales, people hear stories about this and that. Nobody really see nobody really sees this that would live to tell the kind of story. But um, so they tell all these stories about him. But you know, in the end, he's really not as big as he really is, right? He 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 has luckily he has some humanity left in him um, to um, to kind of turn the tide of of this whole galactic conflict. But I, I think I think that's very interesting how you know, George Lucas pulled that specific word, you know, I, until, until you had mentioned that I had never heard of that before. I never even, even thought of that. And, you know, and, and he, he definitely pulled a lot of stuff from all, all over the place. And, and, and we'll get in, I want to get into your article about, you know, Star Wars and the occult here in a second. Um, he pulled stuff from every religion in the world, right? He pulled stuff from um, Hinduism, right? All about, you know, energy and things like yeah. that and in the, the the kabbalah the, the tree of um the ath or something like that i think that's maybe part of the word darth i, I may be mis i may be mischaracterizing that but he pulled stuff from all different re religions and, and pulled it into this which is which is kind of interesting um i i do want to talk about you know um it, everybody you, everybody should go check out your website it's it's truefreethinker.com is that correct yes and thank you 
Okay. So yeah, go check out Ken, Ken's website. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of articles, he's got a lot of blogs. He's got a lot of um, links to, to all the books and things he's written. And um, I'm going to tag this in the, in, in the, in the show notes here, you wrote a really great article, really, really informative and insightful and kind of helped me, you know, think about this whole um, film in a, in a different way called, you know, every, everything I learned about the occult, I, I learned from Star <laughs> Wars. So can you, can you get into that a little bit? We'll, we'll, we'll dive back into the trans community. We're probably going to go all over the place, but I definitely want, want you to, to, to speak on this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just one note, because I realized I mentioned gigorexia nervosa, and no one knows what that means because I made it up. So, uh, But it kind of goes to what you said about how Darth Vader's reputation would have been that, wow, this is the, you know, the, the almighty guy. And you end up finding he's a, you know, he's an old honky in a suit, basically. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, um, right. Right. So gigorexia nervosa is just a term I made up for the obsession of wanting to see giants and then just making them up if they're nowhere to be seen, right? And that's why if you do uh, some kind of search online for Nephilim, much less Nephilim giants, uh, the majority of what you're going to run into is, I call it neo-theo sci-fi. It's just aggrandizements. It's... Um, making much ado about nothing. It's basic level errors, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, okay, so now the main thing to to think about Star Wars just at the outset is what, what kind of mythos is it? What kind of cosmology? What kind of worldview and philosophy? And it's often painted as an epic battle between good and evil. But one of my points is like, well, no, it's not, and nor, nor can it be because precisely what you said is that you have what in various religions is called um, ki, chi, prana, you know, the life force, and in Star Wars, just simply the force, but it is not a god, it is not a personal being, it has no, no mind, no volition, no will, really, it's just like, let's say electricity, right, mm -hmm. and then I can and you, both of us, see, you're wearing white, I'm wearing black, so you can be the Jedi <laughs> Man, and I can be the Sith. We did this perfectly. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you as a Jedi are going to tap into the electricity to run your house, like this light I have here in my computer. Well, I'm going to tap into the electricity to electrocute people, right? So, right. But the electricity doesn't care. Right. It's amoral. It's ethical. It has no, no uh, particular will. And now people have told me, well, but ultimately uh, we're told that it's about bringing balance to the force. Okay, whatever that means. So are you telling me the ultimate goal is to have as much good as evil? Is that like the perfect balance, really? Yeah, and I think when people say that, I think they mean that that whatever they perceive to be the good side wins. But but that's still really not balance. That's that's The, the whole balance of the force concept has never... I think George Lucas left it ambiguous just so, you know, nerds can fight online about it, you know, for, for years and years. But Maybe that, well, a, lot so. of, a lot of a lot of people think it just means that, hey, the, the good side wins because if, if this side is up and this side is down, that's that's how it's supposed to be. But really, there's no way of knowing that because there really is no good side. You can't really define good because the Jedi consider themselves to be good and consider the Sith to be bad, but the Sith consider themselves to be good and the Jedi to be bad. I mean, the Sith consider the Jedi to be uh, very selfish. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's really no determination there. And so 
when you, I think you're you're being kind to Lucas when you say, well, he left it ambiguous so nerds can fight it out. But I wonder if he left it ambiguous because there was no solution. Right. There right. is no solution. Uh, so, for example, what about when um, Benjamin, by the way, another biblical name, Benjamin, right? Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, his name's Benjamin. Uh, he says to Anakin Skywalker, um, yeah, he tells him only Sith deal in absolutes. Okay. Right. Right. Well, then that must mean you're a Sith because that is an absolute <laughs> statement. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I'm only really mentioning that as sort of like such a logical failing, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. such a self-contradictory statement that we may just be giving Lucas too much philosophical credit, you know? Right. I right. would imagine he built this mythos and he hit a wall if he even ever thought about how there's no real resolution because right. the movie going audience is going to go, yeah, the good guys and not ever philosophically stop to think about what does that even mean in this within this box right. of this mythos. Right. Right. And the interesting thing too, about, you know, what you mentioned about him and saying he's a, he's a Sith and the, the light side thinks the dark side's bad and vice versa. You kind of see, these opposite things happening in, in star Wars, the, in the original trilogy, the, the, the people that are quote unquote on the light side, like, like Ben Kenobi, he, he lies to Luke Skywalker. He says his father died. Darth Vader killed him. He says, you need to kill it. You need, you need to kill him. He's terrible. You need to kill him. Um, versus what the Jedi te technically should, should be about, you know, love and, and what have you, but the opposite side, the Sith, like you said, Sith, the old and absolutes in the, in the prequel trilogy, a lot of the, the Siths, they're very upfront, like, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. They, they don't lie. Like, they, they may manipulate, but they will kind of, and, and you see that in our world, too, like, um, the, the powers that be will, they'll, they'll find ways of telling you what they're going to do, and then they're going to do it. There, there is, I mean, there's some, there's some deceit along the way, but in, in the Star Wars universe, they seem to be more, quote-unquote, truthful than the, the Jedi, which is an interesting dichotomy, I think. It is, and I would imagine that if I had to speak for the Jedi, you know, <laughs> I would imagine Benjamin would have been considering himself to to be telling a, a righteous lie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, right. be, because the end result would be something that he hoped to foresee, and it mm -hmm. would be a quote-unquote good thing, then therefore it's okay. So... And the, the end result actually is extremely what we might call alchemical or mystical, because it, if you want to boil it down to real occult terms, then you could say that, well, yeah, um, his mission was to kill uh, Darth Vader. So let, let, taking a step back, Darth Vader did kill Anakin mm -hmm. because it was a transformation of his personality, right? Right. Right. So he took on a new persona. And incidentally, you might recall in my article, I pointed out that uh, in the first movie, um, when Darth Vader is being confronted by one of his underlings and Darth Vader's, you know, pumping his chest at him, <laughs> the guy's like, I'm not afraid of your what? Sorcerer's ways. Right. So right. he's referred to as in very occult terms. And then you could see that uh, by Luke going after Darth Vader to kill him. It was that moment of confrontation that created um, 
like another change in personality where now Darth Vader, the dark guy, the, the Sith, changed back into, you know, his human persona, a good old dad, you know, right, <laughs> and right. ends up giving his own life to save his son and all that. So symbolically and occultically, you could kind of see how you can massage what Benjamin said to make mm -hmm. it true in the end and in right. just this sort of like a uh, very symbolic way, but it's alchemical, right? It's mystical. Uh, it's right. the same guy and the same guy died, period. Um, but in terms of the, the, the true self versus, you know, the perfected ascended self and all that kind of stuff, you, yeah, you can kind of read that into it. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of that was, was meant due to, like you said, all the different influences that went into this theologically and philosophically. And, and, you know, so, it's, and it's interesting what you said, too, about him. Um, basically some, somehow switching off the Darth Vader, right? And kind of, you know, re-becoming Anakin Skywalker. Almost, uh, now I'm thinking about it now as far as the, the cinematic view of it itself. Was that in itself like a, like, a, like a Jedi mind trick for us to think, hey, guess what? You can, you can become this transhuman, but then you can come back out of it. I, I, I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I'm more on the side where like if, that start, if, if those transhuman start, things start to happen, there's really no way... There's, there's no way back. You don't get to just have a, have a do-over. You know what it's I'm saying? Like, yeah, like Elon Musk said, uh, <laughs> with artificial intelligence, we are summoning, summoning a demon. Right, and, right. And the magician thinks that they are in charge of the demon. Uh, right. But slowly over time, and you hear this in real-life statements by real-life occultists. I'm not just making this up. That eventually what ends up happening is the relationship slowly start to turn until the demon or call it whatever by any other name they want to call it uh the tables start to turn until the the demon the entity starts making it plain that all this stuff about you summoning me and banishing me and me being under your control no it's the other way around <laughs> right right and right. so what's interesting about the the resolution of the Luke and Anakin thing is at the end, here's Darth Vader and his, you know, this persona right here, but he says, you know, I want to take off my helmet, right? So now it's, it's, you know, this poor pathetic old guy and he just wants to see his son for the last time with his very own eyes. It becomes a very, very human thing. Like you said, he, oh, isn't that nice? And I guess that could be a very redemptive story. We could, okay, we can appreciate that. He comes back to his senses and now he's he's been fighting his son and now he wants to save him. I mean, that's okay. That's all nice. Mm -hmm. No question about it. But um, so yeah, that might be part of the deception is that you can, be, <laughs> you can become a cyborg and you can like, come out of it. Which right. He never actually does. There's no way he could live outside that suit anymore. But that's right. okay because he dies within a few minutes anyway. And so that's the end of him. Well, yeah. I mean, just like just like with COVID, you take your mask off, you die within you know seconds. It's crazy. Actually, that's not the end of him because he comes back in spirit form, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along right. with, so, so he, along he with Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, along with Yoda. And so in the end, it doesn't matter that Darth Vader was the, the darkest guy in the universe. In the end, mm -hmm. it's all universalist and ah, yeah. they all made up in the end. And he's, you know, he's hanging right. out with uh, the apparition, <laughs> apparitions <laughs> of Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi and everything's cool.
Right. He, he got to do the, you know, the, the deathbed decision. Hey, I, I pledged my life. I'm converting. I'm so sorry for everything. You know, I wish I would have done this sooner, but hey, let me let me come hang out with you guys. And, you know, I saw a, I saw a meme. It's kind of a very dark humor type meme. It was, um, you know, all of the Jedi children that he had killed were also force ghosts. And it said they they're welcoming up there him up there. And they're all just like, huh? How, 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 how does this work? How do you how do you get to be here, right? You know, yeah, right. What like, was like, that like, all about? You know, like think about like like Hitler or any like you know um, communist leader that has done horrible atrocities, right? Like at the end, they didn't get to just say, "Hey, sorry, you know, um, let, let me let me let me on your side. Let's 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 talk about this and, and figure it out." So yeah, it's it is very interesting. And the other thing too about um, you know talking about Ben Ben Kenobi Benjamin. When he was a force ghost, you know, you think when you're in in the in that universe and in the some of the philosophy behind it, what that is and how that works, I have no idea. But I don't and like you said, I don't even know if George Lucas knew a lot of, of this. Some of it may have been intentional, maybe some not, but I think you know, when a story gets so big, you're like, Oh, I just gotta kinda finish it. And, but he's a force ghost, so he's essentially uh, ascended above the earthly plane, but still is able to, you know, exist in it. And even when he had that ascendance in that whatever full knowledge of everything, he still said, hey, you still need to go kill your dad. You know, it, it, you, you would have thought that with that kind of um, spiritual uh, ex- awakening or what have you, he would have been like, you know what? I think there's, <laughs> I think there's a way to turn this around. Um, you have to do like, but, but he was still kind of, kind of an a-hole about it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's just basically very mundane, you know. So can you um, can you tell everybody a little bit about um, some of the other stuff um, that you've been working on, some of the other books that you've had come out, come out recently over the past few years? Sure, I can do that. I did want to just mention something about the force issue. Okay, so from the movie, I guess the original movie or the first one or however people, you know, the first one that was released, okay? Get off my back about it. (laughs) It says the force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. A Jedi can feel the force flowing through him. And so this is sort of the very typical claim that, well, ever... um, Paranormal um, phenomena are just natural to human beings, but we have lost the ability to tap into them. And if, you know, some people are just born with more of an ability to do so, others need training and all this stuff, you know. But then um, if you recall when the movie came, whatever the movie was called, where they featured the concept of the um, midichlorians. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to kind of right. say a word about what that is? And then I'll kind of make a point about it. Yeah. So so essentially when that midichlorian conversation came out in, in the Phantom Menace, the first of the prequels, it was almost basically like like a, like a like a like a, a red blood cell count or something to that effect. Right. Like they, they hold a scanner up to you. Oh, yep. You got you got two thousand. Now that's pretty good. But Yoda has fifty thousand. So, you know, you need to you need to you know, work a little bit harder, maybe you'll get there or, or, you know, maybe you're just not, not born with it. You've only so, had one shot of the Vax, not two. <laughs> you, you only had one shot. You didn't get the Yoda dose. If you want the Yoda dose, you'll, you'll be on a, another playing field. But 
but yeah, so it, it kind of what upset people about that is it kind of it kind of made it almost like a royal bloodline type thing, you know, like uh, the, the the conspiracy about people in this world that have a certain blood type, you know, they're they're all buddy, buddy, stick together, that kind of thing. So that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. And so that was what I got out of it is uh, in, in my article, I quoted, you know, some Star Wars fan who said uh, mitochondrians sucked. <laughs> mitochondrians were a <laughs> terrible idea. Uh, a clumsy redcon that screws up the explanation we already had, okay, right? That the force is just everywhere. And it, and once you tap into it, it flows through you or whatever. And anybody could, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, that this person also noted, all of a sudden, instead of being an energy field, there was little microscopic life forms inside the Jedi. What do the microscopic entities have to do with the galaxy-wide life force, right? So that was part of the complaint. Um, and so then I started thinking about, well, you know, to me that gets into the whole issue of bloodlines and like the, the divine right to rule, the divine rule of kings, right? Where mm -hmm. uh, some guy's the next up to be the king only because his dad was king, right? And then right. you have all these these family groups that take power and maintain power. And the only reason is because they're related to each other, just, just like you were just saying, right? That's what that struck me as. And then um, the issue of Anakin's mother, I think it was that very same movie being asked mm -hmm. about his birth. And right. she says, there was no father. I carried him, I gave birth, I raised him. I can't explain what happened. So again, like a very virgin birth uh, type of, of notion there where mm -hmm. all of a sudden in this version or this movie, uh, he just kind of boop, showed up. Right. And that's all there is to it. You're like, well, <laughs> well huh? <laughs> there are some interesting theories about that is that, you know, the, the emperor through his dark magic, master of the force was able to well he and he kind of goes into this in the last movie the prequels where he's like telling anakin like let me tell you this hypothetical story about something that may or may not have happened you know and it may or may not have been me in my prior master was that they learned they learned how to create life through manipulating oh. midichlorians right just like you said it's, it's all just energy so they just turn the energy into a certain way to effectively create life so that's the one i guess in universe conspiracy of how that was born okay. it almost in and does it does it almost go to the effect does it almost make and i talked about this a long time ago on my podcast does that almost in effect make anakin like like a manchurian candidate where he has something in his brain at a certain point he's going to turn to the dark side one way or the other because of how this dark magic had been manifested in himself wow. so you know you kind of you kind of wonder about that some of that stuff and then i'm like you know what maybe i should just go read another book <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that's a, a fan theory yeah it, it's 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 one of those that you know they left open-ended for yeah. you to kind of to kind of to think about yeah. on your own which is interesting. and um that is some heavy heavy stuff I, I would definitely sign in with that or sign up with that theory and i'll tell you why now there's the 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 faith of the Tanakh, the, the Old Testament, and we, you know, call them Hebrews, Israelites, Jews. I mean, there's various terms for our people, right? Um, 
But that faith, that religion is very different from rabbinic Judaism, which is a, a, a religion administered by rabbis, right? There's no such thing as the rabbinate, the, the rabbi system in the Old Testament. It doesn't exist there. That came into be later. Now, within rabbinic Judaism, you do have a mystical side of it that's known as Kabbalah. Okay, now within mm -hmm. Kabbalah, there's the concept that with enough training, a rabbi could make a basic humanoid form out of mud and then bring it to life. And that's what's known as the golem. And now the golem tale, it shows up in so many places in different forms. For example, Frankenstein is a golem tale, right? right. I mean, instead of mud, it's previously living flesh that is now brought back to life. And then in uh, talk about transhumanism in Metropolis, forget about it. 1927, the movie sold, it doesn't even have sound, um, you know, audio. And the, the, the vision of it is that an occult scientist creates an, an android and uploads the, the contents of a human's brain into the android. Right. 1927, right. right? So that's another golem type tale, just a more high tech version. Mm -hmm. And you can just go down the line of sci-fi movies. And it's all over the place, just in different forms. So that that would seem very interesting to me that the occult Sith overlords um, created a golem essentially. Right. And this this woman gave birth to them, and eventually he became the various things he he became. Right. Anakin. It the kid and then the Jedi and then the Sith and then the, the guy again. Right. And, and you, you do see throughout that, that prequel series that the emperor is, is telepathically communicating with him as well, you know, really against Anakin's will, he's kind of feeding him thoughts back to your point about Metropolis, about the occult, occult leader that had programmed these thoughts within this Android. It, it's honestly like, that's a very, I wouldn't be surprised if if Lucas got a lot of inspiration from that type of of story now that you mention it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised also because at the heart of virtually any group that you could call occult or witchcraft or secret society or mystery religion, you will find this uh, Kabbalah in one way or another influencing it. So it, right. it is all over the place, yeah. Right. All right, I'm going to share um I'm gonna share my screen here. I wanted to uh, to pull up to pull up some interesting interesting pictures here. Oh, let me, let me find this. Here. Yeah, yeah, this uh, interesting picture that I happened to to come across huh. the other day. Let me <laughs> let me find a way to. I better do, do this. this first. See, this is the, <laughs> the movie version. And coming up, we have. Loading, loading, loading. I'm not. I'm not enough of a transhuman yet to to manifest this stuff uh, directly. Way, but you know, hope hopefully soon. Meanwhile, I'll mention that I wrote a whole book called "The Golden Golem: Goal from Organism to Transhumanism on the Tangled Web of Occult Mystical Alchemy and High Tech Transhuman Chemistry." Um, to, to make these kind of points about the history of the golem and all the influences it's, it's had in ancient and modern literature and film. 
and then um, yeah, some of the my more recent projects might be contextually of interest. So let's look at uh, here. Oh, okay, I have yeah. have it have it pulled up here too. Uh, golden golden goal from organism to transhumanism, and and for anybody that's listening and watching, you can find. Um, is, is Amazon the best place to find, to find all your works? To find, yes, to buy, uh, you know, as an independent author, it's always best to buy from the author directly because, you know, Amazon just gets a huge cut. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can shop around the Amazon or just look at the, my list on my website. But I mean, if you do feel comfortable buying from Amazon, do so. It's just, it's not the best for independent authors. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and um, I wanted to pull up this <laughs> this very important um, picture yes, here on the screen. There it so, is. so Ken, you sent this to me, and, I, and you had posted this on on Twitter a little while back, yeah, yeah. and I was really upset that it didn't it didn't get more yeah. get more likes and more and more love than it really should have. <laughs> I mean, this is this is an incredible picture, Darth Brooks. You, so you drew this a long time ago. I drew that, gosh, decades ago. Yeah, decades. <laughs> and remember, I pointed out one of the funny things is that Darth Brooks works just as well as Garth Vader. Either right. way, it would have worked, you know? So yeah, there he is. That's his new, uh, you know, after he became an ascended master or whatever, uh, he decided to come back to Earth. I guess he was never on Earth. Whatever on Earth planet he was from. <laughs> and he became a country western star you know? yeah that's interesting and he learned how to play the guitar after death too that's pretty awesome yeah what gloves on that's tricky <laughs> I'm, I'm telling yeah. you I, I play guitar and that's that's it's that's no good there it's no good there so here, I know, just... uh, sometimes i would play a bass guitar with a glove on my left hand because i found that i could do a lot more sliding with it so yeah yeah but that's bass where the strings are just gigantic <laughs> So I wanted to pull up a few, just kind of a few images here, just for anybody watching on video, just kind of a few, you know, the visual cues here, right? So he's, he's, his, his legs at this point, his legs are all burned off. His arms are all burned off. Oh, I thought it's because he, his legs, I thought it was because he was um, a baseball catcher. Well, you know, you know, he, he wanted to be, he wanted to be when he was a kid, but the emperor communicated with him telepathically and said, no, uh, you, you can't get too injured. That's yet. where you it know, went I, wrong. That's where right. it went bad right there. Right. He's like, you're going to get injured in the future. Just not, not playing baseball. So. Now, you um, know, it's it, interesting. It, hold on there. So um, what's interesting about the stormtroopers is initially, I mean, when did this movie come out? 70, uh, 70, 77. Okay, I remember going to the movie theater to watch that. Okay, that's how old I am. <laughs> and the thing is, the stormtroopers, initially, you would think they're robots because there's not a single ounce of flesh showing on them. Right. Uh, but, but then it turns out they're not even cyborgs, really. Those are just like uh, medieval knight outfits. They're, they're just right. hollow outfits, and they put them on for protection, you know. Well, and, 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 you, and you know what's interesting, too, is they're, they're kind of exploring that a little bit now with some newer content they've been putting out. So in the in the prequels, they develop this this clone army, and right, you know, talk about cloning, that takes mm. us down a whole nother path. So they developed this clone army. What they did, they 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 developed them so they would they would age rapidly. So it would be like twice. So in 20 years, you could get a 40 year old, you know, clone. So they did this so they could kick off these war efforts, da, 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 da. 
they're kind of starting to play around with the concept of, yeah, yeah, to your point, in the original movies, these are all just normal people. So, so the concept they're playing around in between these two trilogies is that they're phasing out the clones and bringing in the human soldiers. And I think that's very interesting because it's so backwards with our world. Yeah. You know, it, it's the complete opposite, right? We're phasing out humanity yeah. for robotic, cyborg, clone, right. what have you. So it's interesting that they, they brought that in because it's completely upside down in our current world. And it also helps to dehumanize them, right? So for instance, in this picture, you see the human being laying there on the ground burning and you it's very empathetic. Like I'm looking at a human being right there being stomped and cut. Whereas if you shoot a stormtrooper, you don't really see them past their, their armor. It's just, well, this, this weird white thing fell and I'm on to the next one, you know? Right. And, and honestly, thinking about it too, like, you know, the, the color schemes itself, you know, the stormtroopers are, are, are mostly in this white armor with, you know, little, little black here and there. Darth Vader is all black, right? It's very symbolic. Like George Lucas wanted to basically tell you right from the outset, like, this is the bad guy. You know, like there's no, there's no if, ands, or buts. There's, there's no subtlety about it. There's no nuance to this. Like, yeah. this is the bad guy. These guys are, are a little bit bad, but, but from their mind, they're just doing their jobs. You know, so um, here's one picture I wanted to show you. Um, you know, this is a here's another transhuman guy from, you know, the, the prequel trilogy. So this is a <clears throat> General Grievous. You know, he's very, very, very robotic. The, the only thing, well, I guess not human, I guess uh, sentient might be the right word about it is he has a still beating heart within him. And it's a uh, it's interesting because. The, the story goes that it was this sentient being and they wanted to start this. And this was before Darth Vader. They wanted to start this program where they wanted to transhumanize people, right? They wanted to, to bring those two things together. So they, they essentially almost nearly killed this guy to rebuild him as this, you know? And I think that's a, a, a plot line you see a lot um, in other movies. Uh, this, this one you'll know right away as far as, you know, uh, not non-Star Wars, but a, a character that's a, a physical human that's killed and is brought is brought back to life via robotics. Robocop. Defund Robo. Defund Robocop. <laughs> defund Robocop. <laughs> interesting. Interesting side note about that is, you know, that took that movie took place in Detroit, and you know, it came out in the '80s, and they were talking at, at that point about the city of Detroit going bankrupt, and sure enough, they did in recent years, which was really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> side note there. Um, oh, here, here's, another, here's another one. So this is, um, you know, this is Luke Skywalker. This is his, you know, mechanic, mechanical hand, you know, that after he meets up with Darth Vader the first time, he gets it chopped off. And now thanks to, thanks to robotics, here, here he is. And, you know, I, in, the, in this hand, I think it was very important because, you know, going to that final scene where he's showing down against Darth he's having a showdown with Darth Vader. He, he nearly kills Vader. Then he, then he looks at his own hand and he's like, you know what, if I, if I keep going down this path, I'm going to be no, for one, I'm going to be no better than him. And for two, I could end up in that same steel, steel case myself. So there's, there's a lot of symbolism there with, with that hand, I would say. But now this is uh, Luke's hand, right? Yes. Yeah. But then Vader lost his hand as well. Is that the, is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in right. the, yeah. Uh, in the in the prequels, uh, same exact thing, same exact hand. 
Okay, so, okay, now speaking of Metropolis, it does seem to me that the occult scientist in Metropolis was at least part of the influence for Darth Vader. So for one, they're both into the high tech, they're into transhumanism, and they're occultists. Okay, again, Vader, to whatever degree, he's definitely using occult uh, forces or paranormal forces and is called a sorcerer or employing sorcerer's ways. And also that occult scientist in Metropolis, he's wearing black from his neck down to his feet. He's the only see him wearing like this big overcoat thing that's black. It's so it's almost like a cape and he lost his hand. Uh, in the book, he lost his arm in the movie, he lost his hand, whatever, either way. It's, it's, uh, it made me think that that might have been part of the influence right there. It seems like a lot of the same characteristics. Right. I'll tell you what, I need to go watch this Metropolis movie. I, I've heard you talk about this before and in talking about it now, it, it seems like that movie had, had a great influence on, well, I guess cinema in general, right? Because it was so long ago, but yeah. um, on a lot of these uh, agendas that have, have seemed to, to crop up more recently, right? You kind of see some of these same same theme so that's very that's very interesting because it was so again for 1927 it was so ahead of its time that it can't help but be influential plus it was a very um cin cinematographically interesting movie to look at and also the director fritz lang he, he was working on the movie script while his wife was writing the book Okay, so you have a much more well-formed concept in the book. And by the way, the book is much more occult than the movie is. The movie kind of sort of hints at it. You see a pentagram here, you know, that's, you, you would kind of think that maybe there's something occult about the high tech, but it's not really emphasized. Uh, the book is definitely a lot more occult. Right, right. Well, that's that's very interesting. Um, Ken, I, I thank you so much for for stopping on. Uh, where can people where can people find you and where can they how can they support uh, the work you do? Uh, Truefreethinker.com is just the easy way to go there. And I try to make everything obvious and user friendly. And uh, you asked about my more recent projects and one that would probably appeal to your audience is I've been doing a series of books on movies with alien and UFO themes. And so what happened is I started writing one book about that. And then when I got to page 500, I thought that's <laughs> getting to be a little much, much less when I got to page 600. So I thought, you know what, I'll just break it up into a series. So each book is roughly 150 pages. So it's kind of easy reading. And plus I've been having a blast just watching all kinds <laughs> of uh, old and new UFO and alien uh, theme movies. Right. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, you know, UFOs have been in the news again recently. I'll, yeah. for, for one reason or another, there's a, there's a narrative that's being pushed with the UFOs. Oh, yeah. So no, no, no time like the present to, to get into that <laughs> kind of content. So, um, Ken, thank you so much for, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. This has been very, very insightful and informative. For um, me as well. Yes, because, you know, while I love Star Wars, um, it also is important to understand that there's a lot of themes that are built into this, either intentionally or unintentionally, that are, are, are pushing certain agendas. And I think um, 
you can you can enjoy these movies in a certain context as long as you kind of have your, your guard up for understanding some of these things that they're, that they're trying to do and, and try to you know sometimes take it more more at face value than really you know dig into it like you know don't go start a jedi religion because it's not it, it's not people a thing have. people have and i i, I kind of feel sorry but, for their for yeah, their families i think you put it perfectly because when i'm watching a movie whether i'm going to review it or not it's like almost like i have two brains one brain is just watching the show enjoying it i don't care if it's realistic or not it doesn't matter to me it's just a story it's just a movie but part of me is just constantly dissecting and discerning and thinking right. you know so i kind of watch it i can just sit back and enjoy it and eat my popcorn and be a happy moviegoer uh, but then there's the part of me that's analyzing yeah right exactly so all right so ken thank you so much um i want to chat with you for a second offline here for a second sure. if you have if you have another minute so um uh, my name is conspiracy kyle this has been a conversation with ken and me this has been incredible thank you for tuning into another episode of conspiracy in the force may the force be with you god bless you all <laughs>